time, but I don't hear anything. I don't either. No. Why is this not playing? I don't know. We are live, just... Everybody gets to watch us try to start the show, which normally this does... works fine. I don't know Oh, why. normally? Please. 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 <laughs> normally it works fine. Please. We have an audience that just returns. We have an audience that returns at the beginning just to see how long is it going to take us to get on air. <laughs> they probably love that. That's probably their favorite part of the show. They're like, "Oh, there they are, the three Stooges trying to get on air again." Oh, what's happening here? Yeah, a screen I, within a screen. Yeah, I was trying to share my screen to see if I can get the audio to turn on. I've not had this issue before. Now, mm-hmm, that's what I've always said. And someone's texting me asking if we're going to be honest. Yes. They're... Well, we have people on watching. For some reason, I can't get the audio to work. It's all right. Usually do an amazing job, so. And I'm not ready to play my our intros video. I mean, not the video. Okay. The I don't have the I don't have the audio clip available. So why don't we just do this differently? We um. Okay. This Welcome is to Mercury Retrograde <laughs> presents laughing, loving, and alive. With, and I with Howard J. Elmer. With the desert in rain and Dr. Kevin. Woo! <laughs> and, and, and this this week I am here to take a bite out of crime because I am McGruff the crime dog. How did you possibly remember McGruff the crime dog? Because he's old. I, I just, I'm not that old. That, no, I mean, I was a kid when that came out. Yeah, but he was around for a while. Uh, okay. So you're McGruff? Okay, well then I am Lucille Ball. Okay, then I'm Desi Arnaz. <laughs> Lucy! <laughs> <laughs> Lucy! <laughs> Talking about somebody with funny antics. I loved her. Oh, she was great. And she was such a great businesswoman. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I, think I, I think I mentioned this on one of the previous shows. I don't, rem- I don't remember. But um, I ran across the fact that they just recently released her, that she did what we would call podcast today. She did a whole group of them in the early 60s. It was something she went around and she spent like a half an hour, 35 minutes, interviewing her, um, like all of her contacts and her friends around Hollywood and had these little private conversations and they just released them recently. And, um, and they're like, she's the original podcaster. I believe that. They were fascinating to listen to. And I am somehow off my thingy. Off your what? I know. (laughs) What kind of show do you think we're doing? It's not coming in through my AirPods anymore. Oh. No. 
Wow. Two, two, and it's not me for a change. Oh, well, you know, there we go. That is a whole Mercury retrograde thing. I, yeah, I'm hearing some feedback. Anybody else? No. Are you hearing feedback right now? I'm not hearing feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so, so Rain, are you? Stuff going on. Yeah, so Rain, I'm actually talk, chatting with uh, StreamYard right now about the issue. Um, so Rain, you said you're you're not at home. I saw the dead body parts in the background and just thought that was your bedroom. It, it is, and I am home. This is my office, and I'm working on some stuff in the background, as you could tell. Um, in case you didn't know, I am a fortune teller. Fortune teller. And there's, yeah, body parts. Well, I, I collect um, <laughs> I collect mannequins, and so there's quite a few of those mannequin things in here. Sure, that's what that's you my want. story. <laughs> that's her story, and she's sticking to it. Sticking to it. So you did make it home after yes. your flight debacle. Yes, and I am 10 years. It looks good. It looks like everything is in great order. So nothing to be concerned about. And isn't that great? Yes. Well, you were on, uh, you were out having your, you said this off air. So you're referring to it. So I'm going to say it on air. She's talking about she had her bone density scan and she is 10 years cancer free. I haven't had the bone density scan yet. I was saying I needed to schedule that, but I had all seven doctors, blood work and all that good stuff. She said she was going to miss me because she asked me when I was going to be in Phoenix because she asked to go there for her bone bone density. But you were just in Phoenix for something, right? For for my seven doctor's appointments and towards the end, they were like, oh yeah, you need to get a bone density scan. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen this trip because I don't have the time. So I will get it done in a couple of weeks. Okay. So I, but I got the important part right. They all gave you a hallelujah. Hey, ain't you great? Okay. You're so healthy. So, right. I got the- See, I'm hearing a, a feedback. Now I hear that. I think Dr. Kevin is on Facebook. I am on Facebook, but I don't open up that part. I was just looking. I was just looking at the write-up. Oh, um, oh, for for Melissa. So, anyways, so what is new with you, Mister Elmer, Mister McGruff, the graph, graph something poodle puppy pile person? We're um. Getting a few. I've already got a few private investors uh, to help us get move the the film forward. You know, we got to pay the lawyer fees to be able to get real investors. Well, not real investors, but bigger investors that we don't know. You know, you can't you can't get investors from people that investments from people that you don't know. Right. So to do that, we have to pay the lawyer. Um, so uh, we're getting close to that. So hopefully, before the end of this year, we'll have all the the funds to uh, pay the lawyer and start getting. Um, some bigger investments in to do the the movie that I'm excited about. That's based on a true story that happened here in Maine in 1975. What's my role again? 
What's my role again? Were there any black Just people in, in 1975? There. there were no black people you in know. the Hatfields and McCoys in like the, the <laughs> tens and twenties, but I am Spirit McCoy. So you can go ahead and cut that one right out. <laughs> Ta da! I was waiting we, for that. We, we uh, wait, wait, after wait. the after I'll the twenty. Read my T-shirt. <laughs> embrace love. Uh, <laughs> See what's highlighted. The race, yeah. The um. Yes. Well, you know, did you know that even after the twenty twenty. Even after the 2020 uh, census, uh, Maine is still statistically the whitest state in the union. I could believe that. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people there. There's a little over a million. That's not a whole lot coming from... So, two things. One, what I said was, well, you know, it's the potato state. Potatoes are white. I mean, what do you want? But there are more potatoes than people. In 1975, I lived in Maine and was dating a woman of color. So do not tell me there were not people of color in Maine. I didn't tell you. I asked. Ah, okay. I said, were there any black people in Maine in 1975? Yes, there were, because I was dating one and my brother was dating her sister. (laughs) Guess I got a role. There you go. Well, we got. I, I need background actors, so. Yeah, no, I don't do background. We, that went out with the back of the bus and in the Rosa Parks and that stuff. I'm in the front, or I'm not interested. So I have to ask the question, and and forgive me. I'm. I swear, I'm becoming adult brain. Did we? Did I talk last time about the whole Paul McCartney thing? I don't remember that. Just because just because of our conversation, it made me think about it. I was just reading this cool thing that it was sad but cool. So Paul McCartney was over here, you know, at the you know near the beginning of the the height of the Beatles fame. You know, it was like the early they were they were famous, but they weren't they didn't get as big as they got yet, uh, and they weren't at that place. So he was at one place. He was at. Uh, I think it was Selma or he was in one of the places where he was watching as they were like harassing this young girl of color who was one of the first people to go into uh, because of segregation, because of the desegregation stuff that she was going to a white high school and like they were yelling things at her. They were saying they should hang her, all these like really horrible things. And he was horrified. And then like the next day he was here and they watched as the policemen were grabbing and being physically abusive to this woman of color because she sat in the white section of a restaurant and they were like like beating her up for it. Mm-hmm. And so when he went back to England, he wrote Blackbird, that song Blackbird. And that was a code word for his experience about trying to do, do this hopeful song about, you know, little Blackbird fly and blah, 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 blah that he based it um, and it was his like message to people of color in America. Um, but he knew that he couldn't like come right out and say it because mm-hmm. it would never get played. And then a few years ago, I don't know how many years ago, but he was here and he actually had a photo op with both women who are still alive that he saw those two incidents of. He, that, that, um, created him to write the song 
And so there's a neat picture I found of him and these two women, the women, the woman that was going to school, that was going to school, young girl was going to school, and the woman that was being physically being, you know, the police were being physically abusive for sitting in the white section. And um, and he had a picture with the two of them. And I just thought that was the coolest thing, that loop around. Yeah. And I known that about that song. Did either of you know that that's where that song came from? No clue, especially when he did it, uh, the Beatles did it with uh, Billy Preston, who played a lot of, you know, their um, piano and vocals, not piano, but piano and organ, and he did a lot of vocals. So I'm not surprised, but I am glad he did that. Yeah. And the, and the fact he went and tracked him down when he was in America a few yeah. years ago, and then, you know, and, and told his story. I just think that's so powerful. That is know. powerful. Yeah. So, yes, there were people of color in Maine in 1975, and Rain needs a leading role in your... Well, none, none of the people that have hired me to do the story are black. Well, that, that would probably... Well, now that I understand... It was it's based based on you know based on their experience in the which which given given that it's about gay rights, having a black character who wasn't actually there would change the whole dynamics of the whole situation because then you got race on top of that from nineteen seventy five. Right. Yeah, that that definitely changes it. Not that I care, but it definitely (laughs) changes. I um I'd love to have you I'd love to have you act in it. We're gonna do something. Um so well, nobody's well, saying we anything about my commercial in one eight hundred flowers. I haven't seen it. I saw a picture, but I couldn't click on it and have it actually show. Not the, the picture. The link is actually in there. I couldn't find it. it the where link is, is it? Actually where is it? it? It's on Facebook. I can play it on play it through uh, through this yeah. if I can Go find ahead. it. Is it on your? Is it on your? It your, should be uh, on my page. Page. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, I was it. looking on either Twitter or Instagram. Wherever I was looking on, there was a picture, but I couldn't clip it on because we we cross over so many social medias. Right, right. But it's on Facebook because okay. people watched it because they commented because the yes, link is well, actually in there. Or I would have commented. I would have. But I, I figured know. you saw it because we see our stuff so much, and I look at your TikTok stuff and. Yep. No, I mean, I like the, I, I like that you did it, but I think, like I said, I think it was on Instagram and not on Facebook. Maybe it just didn't hit my Facebook feed when I was looking. All right, you know? here, mm, maybe. Here we go, and hopefully the audio works on this. Well, if not, uh, they'll have to look at it somewhere else. All right, I'm going to remove us. I am going to make this big screen. Fall is magical because I live in the Hudson Valley. People come up here from the city just to see the leaves change. It makes them feel like a kid again. It just warms their heart to see beauty like this. When leaves start changing, it's actually kind of telling you, if you want to make a change, go for it. I love when you walk outside and you feel that crispness in the air and that smell that you get in fall is a return to home, everybody getting together again. Growing up in California, you don't really get um, seasons. 
But every fall, my family has this tradition that we call the wreath party. And basically my dad goes and collects a bunch of flowers and dried plants. He twists them into a big wreath shape and we all just sit together and make wreaths. It just feels so cozy and we love to hang them in our house and have them. So this is some of the materials we collect and I've had it in my house for a year now. Fall is right here. Football is synonymous with the fall. Everybody gets together, they huddle together, just like on a football field. I love football. Once in a while, my dad would treat us to a professional football game. So football in the fall has just been synonymous with our family. I love football season. It's as a total excuse to make all the bite-sized food I can find. Take a slice of apple with a little cheddar cheese and drizzle some caramel right on top. I'm an East Coast girl who now lives in Las Vegas. So when I go places that have leaves, I pack them into a box and I mail them to my house in Las Vegas so that I could shake them out in the backyard and act like I'm actually still on the East Coast. I have four older brothers and sisters and I was the baby. So they would be raking all the leaves into that gigantic pile. I just couldn't wait till they were done which is ruined it all. I would spread all the leaves at you. Oh, oh, I'll call them later. I'll apologize. Maybe they'll accept my apology now. This has been my favorite sweater since 1980. It just reminds me of the smell of pine needles or cinnamon or nutmeg or sage. You have to have pumpkin spice, pumpkin pie. Pumpkin patches. Pumpkin cider, donuts. Lots of pumpkins. Love it. I am kind of hungry now. Happy fall. Let's celebrate fall. Eat as much pumpkin pie as possible. Happy fall. Happy fall. Happy fall. We wish you a happy fall. Have a wonderful autumn. I hope you're getting cozy with your friends and family right now and enjoying a wonderful autumn. We lost rain. <laughs> there she is. Oh, we lost again. Ta-da! <laughs> That was a long Boy, commercial. you guys were like lost for words. <laughs> well, I didn't make it. I mean, it's 1-800-Flower. I don't care. Where's yeah, our guest? Things, but you look fabulous. I love your sweater. The only problem with the commercial was there needed to be more of you and less of the guy that was irritated. Uh, well, you can write to 1-800-Flowers and Harry and David and just let them know that. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so we've, we've run over that what we usually do. So why don't we get to our, get our, our guest, um, the reason for today's show. And I will bring in I Melissa. I thought we were the reason for today's show. <laughs> hey! There she is. Hello. I'm still wearing the sweater from the commercial. Sweater season. I should have been, right? I know, but I, it's still pretty warm here. So, um, and you're in Arizona, you know that. Yeah, yeah. That was fun. I love fall too. I wish we had. I like. I love going places in the fall to get everything everyone said in that commercial. Yeah, me too. Me too. We used to collect the leaves and put them in between book pages so they'd stay like perfectly pressed. You probably did that. We too. did too. So, yeah. um, Elmer, mail me some leaves. <laughs> yeah, they're fall. They're falling right now. My, uh, I, I had said when before we went on air that I just walked into the house and I actually um, drove up north today with my husband. We had some things to do along the way, but 
we went up up into northern New Hampshire, almost to the Vermont border, and it was just a riot of gorgeous color. So jealous of that. Tunnels of color. <laughs> we were going up a road called 89, and you just kind of go down in the sleep, and you come up over the top, and you look, and it's this patchwork quilt of Mother Nature's finest yeah. work at the top of the hill as you look at it. So, yeah. So, so I have a question. Yes. Who Who is Melissa? I mean, I'm probably the only person that doesn't know you. <laughs> That's never happened. <laughs> well, you, you actually met her. You don't remember? I met her, but I'm saying I don't know her. For this, usually I have all of, like, the backstories and all of that good stuff. So now I'm sitting here thinking... Bring it on, sister with the pretty hair. Uh, I'll, I can, I'll read, unless you want to, Kevin, read her short bio that we have. It, no, Alma, why don't you go ahead and read the short bio, um, so, and then I'll jump in with a couple questions, and then we'll let Rain do it. Rain, <laughs> Rain always has the uh, leaves us the questions, or you the questions. So, uh, Melissa graduated in 2008 with a bachelor's in journalism at Arizona State University. Her first screenplay, Damage Waiver, which was really good, uh, was a quarterfinalist in the Los Angeles International Screenplay Awards. She also is uh, the author of the children's book, Conversations with Cooper, which I happen to have my copy of. Of course you do. Um, And she was uh, a finalist and won Best First Time Screenwriter um, for my short film, uh, Kings and Queens, that she wrote. Now it's so of funny. She is. Her bio here, and at the end, it it doesn't say anything about my kings and queens. It just says for kings and queens. <laughs> I I I don't. I think he misread. He's ad libbing. <laughs> ad libbing. He's ad libbing. So I take it that you have seen Damage Waiver, Elmer. No, it's a script. I've read it. You've read it. Yep. Has it been produced? No. No. And it also, it was just a quarterfinalist in the Script Lab screenplay competition as well. Okay. So, so here is a award-winning screenplay. We've won two awards. Two well, she was a finalist, and then she gets this other thing. I can introduce you to a director and an actress that's desperately looking to work with this director. We don't know why. We think that she's a little loony, but she just seems to want to work with him. I mean, and, you know, he's a little full of himself. I mean, you know, he kind of walks around muttering, 42, 42, it's up to 42, it's up to 42. Can I hear 43, 43, anyone, 43? Um, you know, I, I think he should be selling things at an auction. But, I mean, why has this not been produced? I mean... I mean, look straight up over your head. I mean, we're in the Brady Bunch. Tell, tell Bonzo above you to produce it. Well, I have already worked with Elmer, and I know Rain and Elmer have already worked together, so mm-hmm. we are not strangers in this little Brady Bunch square that we have going on here. <laughs> there we go. Why has this not been produced? Elmer, we want answers. It's uh, a larger project. It would take a lot more money than even the film that um, the two films, well, the film and the the film that I'm working on and the series that I'm working on with Melissa, it would take a lot more money. It's it's a, a very stunt heavy 
you know, action kind of. It's a comedy, but it's got, you know, stunts can cost a million dollars for one scene. And so it's just a little bit out of my budget. You know, if it doesn't get produced by the time, you know, one of these other ones come out and then money starts rolling in, I would love to produce it. I, when I read it, I told it not producer, I'd love to direct it. When I told her when I read it, it would be a film I, I think would be fun to do. What's no. my role? What role uh, which which character would she be? All of them. I'll do all of them. I could see her being like an FBI agent. <laughs> Don't you think? You read it. I feel like she could be one of the the FBI agents. Yep. She could be... Well, let's get it rolling. <laughs> she could be Damage Waver's version of Mr. Smith of the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> So, <clears throat> you you have done some, you've gotten some awards for your screenwriting, but yes. I really get the sense that you would like to have us talk more about conversations with Cooper tonight. Am I correct? Well, unless you have the budget to make any of my feature films, which I think we've established we don't, uh, then yeah, I think, uh, you know, helping me promote my wonderful book would be an amazing opportunity. It's a little more cost effective and a lot more readily available to you and your viewers. Okay, well, I'm gonna jump in. So tell, since I'm probably the only one without a copy of the book, <laughs> tell know. me, yeah, Dr. You don't have one? No. Okay, no. so I'm going to have to get a copy. Because it, is, it a chi is it a children's book? Yeah, it's a children's picture book. So probably, okay. I would say, ages, so, you know. So it'll younger. be good for Kevin? <laughs> Kevin, shout out the big words, okay? Sound them out. If you get some, there's clues in the picture that you're looking at to help you. Okay, so, <laughs> let me see. I'm looking at a picture of Elmer, and I think it says Dunderhead. Dunderhead. Did I get it right? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so tell us okay, so what ages? I would say probably seven to eight and under. Um, I think if it's, you know, you're reading it to your child, the pictures are so vibrant that it's been a wonderful baby shower gift. But if you have a kid that's starting to read, it doesn't have a ton of large vocabulary for children either. So yeah, if we can get that, there we go. Yeah. Oh, how cute! Well, I'm asking because you know we, um, especially this time of year, we do a lot of, and I say we, it's me and the donors that donate, we like to purchase books or purchase things and send to survivors who have children. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's the way pr we promote, you know, lots of different authors and entertainers and actors and things of that nature. And um, when we did Trouble, the dog, what was that last year, earlier this year? Earlier this year. I, yeah, I made sure that they went, a lot of them went to survivors' families when the survivors passed away, to their children, to their husbands. So I think your book would be fun. And how many pages is it? It's 17, uh, okay. but you know, I think along the lines of your mission with your survivors, it's just a very uplifting, positive, hopeful story about just spreading kindness and hope to everyone that you meet, um, even if you might think that you have nothing in common with them. And it's told obviously through my dog's eyes, but 
Uh, it's a great message. So I think, uh, I think that it would be great for, for, for the survivors and the families. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be have, fun. Do we have um, Cooper's Paw on a release form so we don't get in trouble if, you know, the book becomes a bestseller? Yeah, yeah, we'll have to talk to his people. Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk to his people about that. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm just He's saying. He's available for book readings and, you know, he can photograph them. He's always happy to do so. You should do Hold a little on. video with Cooper. With, What'd you say? Cooper. You should do a video, a little video, promotional video with Cooper and the book in front of Cooper and a voiceover reading a couple of the things, but we'll see Cooper looking at the book. I should, like, Elmer. We should connect and do like a little, like thirty-minute commercial, like little promo video. That'd be fun. Yeah, be and Cooper should be in the video. I'm, I'm acting. Oh, he would have to be. Now. You know what? He would have to be. He's just yeah, the star. Sure. He's just so cute. Yeah. I'm, I'm acting as, as his agent now. You know, and he wants, you know, he wants travel expenses. He likes some extra. He's got a full rider. Yeah, he's got a full yeah. rider. It involves lots of biscuits. So yeah. That's Biscuit the same walk. as my writer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what led, you, what led you to be drawn? Do you have children? Do I? No. But I was a nanny for about 15 years. And I just, as a dog mom and as a nanny, I just realized that kids and, and dogs in particular have so much in common. Just their optimism and their hope and their unconditional love and curiosity and that was just kind of the message I wanted little kids to embrace. And that was kind of the inspiration for it. Um, I got a text. Well, actually a message on Instagram. Could you hold the cover up? They'd like to see it. You got it? You want me to? I can or I'll respond it, whichever one. I'll show the back then too. So you've got Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Ooh. perfect. And they said Amazon or Barnes & Noble or... I, I put yeah, the Amazon so link in the in the Facebook. It's available at any online retailer: Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. Uh, you can buy them through me as well. Um, you can just DM me on Instagram, or Cooper's got his own Instagram that you can DM me there if you want them autographed or dedicated. We're happy to do that and then mail them out as well. So, okay, all right, yeah. all right. Okay, I said thank you. Oh, thank you for asking. So, what is Cooper's Instagram? It's Conversations with Cooper. It's just the title of the book. Okay. I'm going on right now. Yay. Conversations. I want everybody out there, take out your phone. Come on. You all know you have your phone right there. Type, go to your Instagram account. Don't be, don't be embarrassed. Conversations with... Cooper. Yep. Okay. And I absolutely Yay. love when I get emails or texts or direct messages of people reading the book to their children. So if you want your kids featured on Cooper's Instagram, just tag us or shoot us a picture. And it just like makes me so happy to see kids enjoying our book and uh, parents reading to kids. So we would love to see it if you want to share that. So there we are. I have followed you. Make sure Cooper follows me back. Um, follow for follow, absolutely. So there we go. Written by my mama. It says written by my mama. 
<laughs> Cooper's got his own page, you know? He's old enough to have his own Instagram account. I don't censor it. So, Melissa, why... I'm glad why... he gave me a shout-out, at least. <laughs> what, what... Is this your first book? Yes, it is. I always knew I wanted to write a children's book, but I just never thought that it would... I never thought it was going to be about my dog. And then I started to kind of just jot down little lyrics and poems um, just about our journeys together. And then I, as he was getting older, I was like, well, maybe it would be fun to turn this into a scrapbook. And then when I got done, I was like, well, maybe I can hire an illustrator to actually bring it to life. And then it just, just turned out so great that I couldn't not share it with everybody. So what started as my own personal little memento of my best fur buddy just turned into this adorable little story. And is your fur buddy in the room with you? No, he's in Ohio. We are spending the summer in Ohio with my mom, and I had to come back to Arizona to get warmer clothes for one, and two, just to go to the dentist and other fun things. So he's hanging with my mom, and I will see him tomorrow. Okay, someone just asked me that. Was he there? Could you show Cooper? Um, so I there, wish I could. There you have it. No, I wish well, I could. Why if I had I not missed my flight last night, he would have been here, but I missed my flight. You guys were talking about retro Mer Mercury retrograde earlier. It's absolutely yep. Yep. affecting me this week. <laughs> so I just want to know. I think the technical staff is falling down on its job again. It should have sent a separate link to Cooper, so Cooper could have signed in. Aww. Cooper had his own Instagram. <laughs> I don't know why Cooper couldn't have signed in and you know drooled on the keyboard and licked the screen and he would have loved that. So, do you look at this book as a one-off thing, or do you think that writing writing more books is something that calls you? So, I already wrote the sequel. It's called Christmas with Cooper, so it kind of follows along the same lines. It's just Cooper explaining Christmas uh, in a way that kids can understand, uh, and I just haven't illustrated it yet, but my illustrator does an amazing job with Christmas illustrations. That's part of the reason I was drawn to her. So she's ready to go as soon as we move, move forward with it. But we haven't even had this book out a year yet, so I definitely want it to have, you know, some time on its own before the sequel comes out. So probably Christmas with Cooper we'll see in, you know, fall of 2022 for the 2022 Christmas season. Is that maybe the even 2023? Um, just kind of depends on how it goes. Okay. Are there any other particular topics that you would like to cover? Because there's a lot of topics out there that need to be addressed with kids in a way in which they feel like they can safely and in a language they can understand take it in. Um, Absolutely. I'm open to really anything. Um, I tend to when I write what I write, I write from my own experience, but as Elmer knows, I can definitely be, you know, inspired to write things from other people's perspectives. And uh, the, the series I originally wanted to write, we moved around a lot when I was a kid and it took me a lot to kind of get settled and trust people and find friends. So I had a very vivid imagination. So I wanted to write a series about a little girl that just kind of tells these stories through her imagination. Also with her dog, ironically enough, the idea came long before I had my own dog. 
Um, so that was kind of my original plan, but that in that I could intertwine, you know, different experiences that kids go through as well, like divorce or losing a parent or being bullied. You know, there's lots of things that kids go through and being as a nanny, I saw so much of it and it's just heartbreaking. And I can't even imagine, you know, with the pandemic and everything that's going on now, it's got to be even scarier to be a kid. So I'm going to ask you to speak from a different place of your expertise. You said you were a nanny for 15 years. And approximately how many different families did that cover? Um, three main families and then just some one-offs here and there, friends of friends um, or smaller gigs, you know, that were shorter lengths of time. Maybe the kids were older and I didn't stay with them as long. But I had three main families throughout that 15 years that I just absolutely adored. So being a nanny and dealing with lots of different kids, I'm, I'm imagining that you really got in a way that maybe a parent of, of just two kids or three kids might not get about the individuality needed in parenting each child separately. But with all of the different kids you had, you would have seen a larger diversity of personality and kids and stuff like this. Because that, that's a struggle for a lot of parents of how to do that. So what would you say to parents that may have two kids, three kids, even just two kids, who, ha who are vastly different, but you're trying to parent fairly, but you know, they're, they're so wildly different. And even coming from my own family dynamic, I have a younger brother and we were very different, obviously being raised with the same opportunities and the same upbringing, but having different needs. And it sounds kind of weird to put it in this perspective, but I was just thinking to a friend of mine about it. I'm getting the call. Um, when you, you know, when you're in a relationship, I think it's important to talk to your partner about your love language. You know, what's important to you? What makes you feel loved and feel valued and important? And I think kids are very similar. And I think you get to have to get to know your kid or each one of your kids and know what's important to them and what makes them feel loved and heard and important and just making sure you're carving out that individual time with your kids to give them meet those needs. Um, and I know it's hard with work or if you're a single parent, it can be very difficult, but I think that's the best thing you can do is just really get to know your kids and, and what it is that they need from you so that they feel safe and comfortable coming to you. Um, it's, it's definitely a two-way street even with kids. I think people forget that sometimes. Well, I know years ago, um, I had done a, an astrology chart for a newborn baby. And it's a great time to get it done. And the, the parents came back to me years later and said, this thing was so helpful in parenting this child. Because it talked about inherent personality traits and things like this. That they would when they would get a, when they would get stuck they would go back and read it, versus their other child who had a very different astrology chart. But you know that was just looking at it through one lens. Oh, absolutely. But and there's like you said, there are a lot of different lenses. I 
got really into birth charts as an adult, but as accurate as they were for me as an adult to look back on my life and the things that had transpired, I could absolutely see how if you do it for a newborn or a younger child, could kind of set you up for the trajectory that they might be headed down. I never thought of that till you said that, but I absolutely believe in that. Yep, yep. You can, you can, you can do that, and it it will tell you what their love language is before they know how to tell you what their love language is. Because they don't, they don't even know it. I mean, I think I'm 35, and I think you know we don't even figure it out till we're adults until we realize what's not working, and then we have to take a look at, okay, this is really truly, if I'm being honest with myself, what I need. And it's funny, my mom and I had this conversation this summer. Um, you know, I've lived on my own and in a different state for my family since I was 17, 18 at college. So this is the longest that she and I have really spent since I was that age. So we've had a lot of really deep, good conversations just about parenting and childhood and things like that. And um, we got to talking about, you know, how you are raised, I think heavily influences either how you raise your kids or how you don't want to raise your kids. But even if you had the best childhood ever and you loved how your parents raised you and communicated with you might not be what your kid needs from you too. And so I think that's the other thing of it is we only know how we were brought up and what we experienced, but that might not, it's not a one shoe fits all for every kid. And unfortunately that's how one of the reasons that familial patterns will continue is, yes. you know, Parent set A make all of these mistakes. So parent set B, their children, do the exact opposite and create a whole different set of mistakes because the opposite is not the answer. The opposite does not mean good parenting. It's kind of going in and finding that middle ground and, and kind of understanding, you know, how often I would love to see you fast forward Cooper to to teenagers or even a little older at some point because your kids who get attached to Cooper now would still listen to Cooper in middle school or high school five years, ten years from now because they had the attachment if it was written appropriately. Yeah. And I, I mean, I could totally see him being, a, you know, a TV show, an educational TV show for kids, too. Because I think sometimes kids, it's such a vulnerable thing. But I think if you can see an animal teaching you and talking to you about things and it's not coming from an adult or another kid, I think maybe you might be more open to hearing it and not realizing you're hearing it, if that makes sense. So I would love for, you know, someone, I self-published this book. I tried to go the traditional publishing route and it's just so competitive. We're in the arts, we know how competitive mm -hmm. trying to put a passion project out there is. Um, but if anyone ever really on a large scale did want to take a chance on, on Cooper and I, we really could see big things. Like you guys have said, there's so many stories and topics out there that kids need to know that it's safe to talk about. and. I think could, Cooper could do that for all different ages and, and grow with his audience. One of the things I would love to see you do with Cooper, you know, that's very hard, but that children need to understand at a younger and younger age now than they used to is parents are just big people. They're not infallible. 
No. You know, the old, you didn't come with an owner's manual. They do make mistakes. They do have their struggles. They do have, you know, and that presented in a way in which takes the guilt and shame that kids take on because they don't know how to deal with their parents' dysfunction. Oh. And though I wouldn't say, so let's talk about your parents' dysfunction. So <laughs> I've said that to many I've said that to eight-year-old kids before. Yeah. Um, eh. But, um, you know, but I think it would be powerful to start to say, you know, mommy and daddy were your size once. And they, you know, and, and they're figuring things out. And this is an adventure you can take together. And they're not always going to know exactly what to do or what to say. And sometimes yeah. they're going to be afraid to do the wrong thing. And that's such a hard thing to teach kids. It's a hard thing to teach teenagers. It's a hard thing to teach 20-year-olds because, you know, like I said, I'm 35 now. And, you know, looking back, if my parents, you know, if we couldn't go out to dinner or I didn't get the toy I wanted for Christmas, it wasn't because they didn't love me. It's because they couldn't afford it. And, you know, like you don't see that when you're a kid, how hard your parents work and how, how hard they have to work to put food on the table and clothe you and have a roof over your house and gas in the car. And as kids, you have zero concept of that. So you're just quick to think that your parents don't care about you and they want you to be miserable. And it's just, it's a hard thing to teach kids because even as an adult, you don't realize it till you're in it. You know, there's no manual to being an adult and growing up and we just kind of have to figure it out as we get there. And so you're very right, but I just don't think it's something that anyone's been able to teach anyone yet. You know, you kind of have to just grow into it and figure it out as you go. I have a question. Go so ahead. Melissa, I'm, I'm always fascinated by someone because I, everybody knows I'm not, a, I'm, I'm just don't like children. That's never been my thing, never will be, and it's okay. But um, that's okay. Right. And so when I meet someone who says they're like an au pair or they're a nanny, when you said you had a couple of one-offs and you were with the same three families overall, mm -hmm. if and when you saw anything that you thought the parents were doing wrong, what role did you play in that? Um, I wouldn't say I ever saw anyone do anything wrong. I mean, it's their kids. They can parent their kids however I want. Um, I just, you know, as a nanny, a lot of times the hardest part for me was explaining to the kids why their parents weren't home. Like, how come mom and dad went on a trip and we're not with them, we're with you? And we had a great time, but that was always, that was like the one thing that would just break my heart is, well, why did they go away without us? You know, they work all day and, and now they're on vacation and we're not with them. And so that's just kind of, I think if you do have the luxury of being able to have a nanny and you're in that position, um, that's just something that I think that came up that, you know, it's not a punishment. I mean, as an adult, we're entitled to vacations away from our lives, away from our kids and our work and our pets. Um, but that was really the only thing that was ever a difficult conversation. So well, what exactly, how, why, nan why nanny? I mean, you're because you are creative why did nanny become the thing that you gravitated towards you know i don't even i just always loved kids and i always i still am very youthful at heart and i think it was a really fun way for me to still just be a big kid 
you know, and not have to grow up as quickly as a lot of my other friends did. Because, yeah, I was in college or I was working, but I still got to go to trampoline parks and go camp in the backyard and, you know, bake cookies and, you know, just do, ride scooters around the neighborhood or play hide and seek in the dark. You know, I still got to do things that I loved as a kid and see other kids experience it. And I don't want kids of my own. Um, I don't know if it's just because I feel like I got that out of my system all those years of being a nanny, but it definitely was just a great job and I loved every minute, minute of it. Wow. Speaking that's of, awesome. Speaking of children, Kevin should train his child better. His kitty cat, yeah. Licking yourself in front of everybody. <laughs> we need that little box. I have brought my child up to be a free spirit and proud. There you go. And a streaker. Nothing is streaker. not give in to your judgment and petty comments. Lick What's your cat's away, name? Morgana. What? What's your cat's name? Morgana. That's Morgana and her sister Freya. It is black cat season. It's it's October. It is black cat season, baby. And black cats, I read, are some of the most abused cats. Everybody mm -hmm. wants one for Halloween, mm -hmm. and then they get rid of them afterwards. They abandon them. Um, there, there's all sorts of stuff. It's 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 really sad. It's very sad. Yes. Um. So, you have the whole idea for the Cooper series. Any other book or series or things, or is it, or is screenwriting the primary creative process for you? I think just writing in general. I, I definitely love screenplay writing, just because you know the children's book is a different level of cognitive creativity. So it's fun to write screenplays for adults and be able to swear and be inappropriate and then write a very G-rated children's <laughs> book. Uh, so it's fun to do both, but I mean, I, I love sitting down and, <clears throat> and writing movies and, and telling different chapters of my own life through that creative avenue. That's definitely my primary passion, but the book's been really fun too, so. And she's really good at it. You can't choose her. children, right? You got more than one kid, you love them both equally. <laughs> <laughs> well, Melissa, did you ever think about turning your Cooper book into maybe presenting it to children's theaters? Because they take those and take them on tours. And of course, you know, you get royalties and stuff for them being on tours and going into schools and communities to actually per perform it. I've never thought of that, but that would be amazing. This whole, I really wanted to be able to take Cooper in the book and just go read at libraries and read at bookstores and read at schools that would have us and with the pandemic. Uh, I released the book December of last year. So with the pandemic, that just has not been something we've been able to do, unfortunately. Um, I, I wish I had uh, released a book, not during a pandemic, but obviously we all preferred to have not gone through this, but so hopefully down the road, um, those will you know be options that we can do. But absolutely having, I don't know how, you haven't read it yet, so I don't know how it would translate to like a children's theater, but I'm not opposed to it. It would translate very well. I did children's theater for about four years and mm -hmm. they had people's stories kind of like your own and they were like, I wrote a book or I wrote a script, I don't know what to do. And they turned it into an actual show with, somewhere between three and five people. 
And they create all these different scenarios and you go and you have people volunteer and actually do the backgrounds that you take with you. And uh, schools and communities and you know community centers, they actually pay to have you go out and do the performance. Oh, that would be really cute. So you might want to call, you know, a couple and see, because it can't hurt. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And if they were going to turn it into a children's theater production, then it's almost a form of turning a book into a play or a movie. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you know any screenwriters that could do the adaptation, Melissa? I can ask around. <laughs> Is that too involved? Oh. <coughs> what, what was that last question? What did you say, Melissa? Me? You oh, did I go? Yeah. I, just, I was just joking. I said, is that me being too involved in my own project? <laughs> no, no, no. 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 Shameless, shameless. I'm all about it. No. Yeah. I just want people to enjoy the book. You know, it's, it's, it's special to me because it's, you know, my fur baby. But if other people enjoy it, that's satisfaction enough, you know, if just to get people to read it to their kids and send me pictures. I mean, I've had people buy, you know, two, three copies because their kids have destroyed it, you know, reading it so much. And like, that's satisfaction enough, you know. And the story in its current form, I think, would lend itself more to a cartoon than to yeah, a live action. Yeah. If, and my um, so cute. I mean, look at look at this face. Like, come on. Can't you just see him like a blues clues? You know, running around, inspiring children of the world. I see it. And then a little question. And adults. Like, yeah, and adults. Right. Well, we need it too. We need all the. Yeah. I hope we can get these days. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Someone just asked. Can? Oh wait, it was this say? Do you sell in bulk? I can, I, absolutely. I don't know what bulk means, but I get the feeling this person's in education. Yeah, I was going to say it could be a teacher, a principal. Yeah. yeah, I can, absolutely. Okay, I just told her to contact you directly. That works too. Um, uh, do you, if I, you guys are welcome to put my email in your on your Facebook if you want. That way, if people want to reach out for inquiries, they can do that. What What is it? It's me, it's Marty, M or yeah, M E M A R C I and the numeral one at Gmail. And then in the subject line, just put something about Cooper, so that I know what it's in regards to. And L L A, so she knows where she. Yes, does. that's yep, yeah, that's perfect too. Yeah, I saw you on Laughing, Loving, and Alive with the three Cougars. And yeah, uh, she just asked too. Yeah. Huh. All right, <clears throat> that's been posted. And I'm in the Phoenix area, so if anyone's in the Phoenix area, you know we can always meet up and do book swaps too. So. Well, when I come back out there, let's uh, link up if you're still out there. And um, maybe get introduce you to some people that I know that love books and love children's stuff. I have uh, a couple of friends that, you know, they've got grandkids and they want them to have every book. And the fact that you're, you know, in Phoenix, Scottsdale area as they are and being able to actually see you and talk to you, I think it would work very well. 
Thank you. That'd be great. And it's if you are in the Phoenix area, uh, the Changing Hands Tempe location does carry the book as well. So it's available. Oh, I know there. the Changing Hands folks very well. Yeah, yeah. So my book is there as well. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So let's. Well, we're we've got what two minutes? Five minutes. We, five minutes before we close out. Yeah. So what else do you have? So what do you have coming up in the screenplay area? I think we've we've done conversations to Cooper Justice. Yeah, you know, I've written two full length features. Um, Elmer had mentioned one of them, Damage Waiver, and the other one is a female driven comedy just about life and relationships as you navigate, you know, your thirties. Um, and I, really, I'm just looking for a literary manager right now to help me land those in the right spot to be able to see them come to fruition and uh, and, and be on the big screen or on a streaming service. Uh, it's just kind of where I'm at. Uh, I've got other stories that I'm continuing to work on. Elmer and I are working on a mini series uh, together right now. So I also have a full time job. So. Uh, you know, just uh, writing when I can squeeze in some free time. So what is your full-time job? I'm a corporate trainer for a health insurance company. So I train the claims analysts as they progress through their career from new hire to promotions within our company. Wow. And does Cooper ever get to do any of the training? Um, he, well, we, we, we're doing the Zoom life. We've been work from home uh, for, you know, well over a year now. So he says hi to uh, my students every once in a while. And they all, like you, you know, they all have pets that come and go out of the screen. So usually we always introduce our pets, you know, the first week and continue to talk about oh. I don't know why my mind keeps spinning and dropping, but. Yeah, you, you, you just, the last few words drop out. No, I was just saying that Cooper does get to meet the students. We usually always do a show and tell with our pets on day one. So um, I was at church today and they had this thing of the, uh, you know, where they fluffed up on the thing that the, they won't let the choir come into the church and sing. So it's one of those Zoom singing things. And the associate minister, she's singing and you see her, her cat behind her on the mantelpiece the whole time she's singing and the yeah. cat is like there and you know she's singing she's singing and then you can see her eye go in the back a little bit because she realizes the cat behind the, the mantel place and then the cat knocks a picture down <laughs> right? and she's like ah. Work from home life. I mean, it just, you know, I think we're all accustomed to it now. I, I've seen it all, so, you know. Well, and in some ways it may have brought an opportunity for a likeness in the workplace that didn't exist before. I think so, I think it is. I think we're welcoming each other into our homes and, you know, we see each other's kids on camera and their pets and their spouses and, um, you know, we get to learn a little bit more about them than we would all working in an office and going home at the end of the day. So definitely a different sense of unity, if that makes sense. Yep, it does. Okay, so. So our next yes. guest in two weeks is Natasha. 
<laughs> Natasha Antonioni. Is that how you say yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a television realtor, but she's also a stager. And um, she's just an interesting woman. With She knows her stuff. You know how you meet people who are like realtors and they kind of know and they try to fake it. No, she knows her stuff. You can catch her on YouTube. You can catch her on all these different channels. She, and she's fun and she's she's funny, but she's real. And she really cares about people. And she inspires people to, you know, to buy the home that they love. She puts the real in real estate agent. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Which we never talked about that. Melissa is also a real estate agent. I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are out of time, but yeah, I, uh, yes, I've been for five years in Phoenix area. Well, that's something you need to tell somebody since I'm always out there. People are always asking. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome to to offer me up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she no. she has no idea what she's asking, but sure. <laughs> you guys there? You guys like, right. cut out for a minute. Oh. We're, we're all here. All right. Okay. So uh, make sure to follow Melissa's writing career. Uh, she's really good. I love her scripts. I mean, we can't, we came back to her when we did Kings and Queens because we were trying to find a, lo- um, a gay story to tell, a short story. And Brett, his words were, Melissa spoiled me because um, he had read his her full-length damage waiver as well. And so um, we had to go. We asked her if she would be willing to write a gay story. So that's how... She got involved with Kings and Queens, but she's she's writes really really well, and that's why I'm working Thank with her you. on other stuff as well. So, follow definitely follow her career if you like uh, reading stuff or watching great movies. And I will play us. Melissa, thank you for coming. Thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. And Rain, congrats on the 1800 commercial. It looks great. Thank you. Just like you, I'm just plugging right along. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you in Phoenix next time you're here. You will. I promise. Bye, guys. Thanks for watching or listening to the Laughing, Loving, Into Live show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or support us with Buy Me a Coffee. To catch all of the latest from Laughing, Loving, and Alive, you can follow us on Instagram at Laughing, Loving, and Alive and on Facebook at Laughing, Loving, and Alive. Thanks again, and see you next time.